Welcome to Stemming in Stilettos with Dr. Tasha, a podcast for and about women of color in STEM. These women are brave, beautiful, and brilliant. Their stories deserve and need to be heard. Their voice strong, their message clear, their experiences priceless. Now let's welcome this wonderful winning woman of color to the show. Hello, and welcome to Stimming in Stilettos with Dr. Tasha. The main focus of the show is to highlight and showcase the stories of minority women in STEM. It is my belief that if we want to encourage minority girls to pursue STEM careers, they should first hear and learn from those who have lived those stories. It is my job to provide a safe environment for them to do so. So let's welcome this beautiful and vivacious woman in STEM to our show. All right. Good morning and welcome to Stemming in Stilettos with Dr. Natasha Anderson and Maria Johnson. We engage, enlighten, and energize. Today, Maria Johnson is not with us, but we do have a special guest in the studio. But first, I have to tell you what our topic is. Today, we are talking about financial literacy, women, and STEM. I'm so excited about this topic. There's so much to talk about in the time that we have allotted. And our special guest for today is Ms. Ramona Pollard. She is a financial coach uh, and expert and a really good friend of mine. And I'm so glad that you could be here with us today. Thank you for joining us. I am happy to be here. I'm actually honored to be here. Whatever, girl. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Is that you're you're the you're you work in this space, you do good work, and you have a passion for it. And I couldn't have thought of a, a better person to be on the show to talk about this particular topic. So uh, to that end, tell us about yourself. Wow. Well, I teach banking and finance after about 10 years in the financial industry. And I have to go back a little bit further when um, I think about where did this interest in finance come from? It really came from my dad who barely finished high school. However, he has this amazing knack for numbers. Mm -hmm. And growing up, he always told me things like, don't take any wooden nickels. And he also said, you know, if you don't have your finances straight, you can be enslaved to a job. Mm -hmm. And that just made me kind of wonder, kind of ponder about this thing called money. I wouldn't say that it's a love of money. I think it's the love of what money can do, mm -hmm. what it can accomplish. So based on my upbringing, my dad, I majored in economics because I just didn't want to know about one particular type of finance. I want to know about the world finance. Mm -hmm. So I majored in economics. But what I found out pretty soon in my major courses is that I was typically one of few women mm -hmm. in my classes. Um, graduated, did well, went on to work for Bank of, Bank of America some years later. And as I began to rise through the ranks, I noticed the same thing was happening. Again, very few women as I went further and further up did I see. So... That made me think about some things, too. But I think the most hard hit issues 
were me working with my clients. Mm -hmm. Overwhelmingly, I found out that very fundamental, very basic things people didn't know. And an overwhelmingly uh, overwhelming majority of those individuals were women. Mm. So based on that, I knew that I wanted to teach. I didn't know how. I didn't know when. As a matter of fact, I felt like I was teaching then. Every time I sat down with a client, I felt like I was teaching. Mm -hmm. But then this opportunity came my way and it literally dropped in my lap. Somebody told me there was a position at Georgia Piedmont Technical College for a banking and finance instructor. How, mo how more perfect can you get? Mm -hmm. So I applied for it and I've been here. This is my eighth year. October 1st makes, made my eighth year. And um, it's been amazing. As much as I feel that I pour into my students, I feel they pour into me. So it's just been an amazing ride. Well, I'm, I'm glad that you're here um, to talk about this important issue. Um, when I think about financial literacy, there are a lot of things that come comes to mind, but I'm not sure that people really know what it is and why it's important. I and mean, we talk about money. Mm -hmm. I think everybody understands the at a certain level, a conceptual view of what money is. But financial literacy, is a, it's, it deals with money, but it's a little bit different. Um, so I, of course, am the researcher. So that is what I do. So what is financial literacy? Um, and it was defined in 2008 by President George W. Bush. He created the first ever President's Advisory Council on Financial Literacy. And that Council defines uh, financial literacy as the ability to use knowledge and skills to manage financial resources resources effectively for a lifetime of financial well-being. Now, I think that that's a mouthful. Mm -hmm. So break it down for me in in everyday, you know, Joe Blow on the street kind of terms. What does that mean? When I think about financial literacy, that I think the the simplest way to define it is knowing what to do with your money and actually doing it. Mm. It's okay. one thing to know it. And that's a real big piece of the financial literacy umbrella. Mm -hmm. Knowing what to do, knowing the products and services that are out there, knowing that you need to save your money, knowing that I'm not going to be 25 forever or mm. 35 forever. At some point, I want to quit working. What will I be able to do it? And at what level of lifestyle will I be able to continue to um, enjoy things as I enjoy things now? So I have to look up, look at things in the future. I have to delay some things now. But it's one thing to know it. It's another thing to do it. So as I've done research, I've, I've come across another term and it's called financial wellness. Mm -hmm. And they go hand in hand to me because it's one part knowing but financial wellness speaks to the fact that you are doing those things financially that make sense for you, which means you're not struggling at the end of the month. I get paid once a month. Mm -hmm. So right. I plan. Right. I have to plan. And I learned something very early on. It's not so much what you make as what you do with what you make. Right. There are some single moms and single dads or some people who individuals who don't make necessarily what other people make and they're doing extremely well. And there are others who are doing, you know, make masses, massive amounts of money 
and they are living from check to check. And I know that sounds weird, but that's when you have issues like you hear about these celebrities that had to file bankruptcy. Right. So mm-hmm. it's all about knowing what you need to do with the money and doing it so that you can achieve a level of financial wellness. So um, it seems that, or at least from the research that I've done, that financial literacy or knowing what to do with your money and actually doing it is a serious issue for women. Um, mm-hmm. And if we get more specific for African-American or black women, minority women in general, um, well, we know that presently more women have we joined. We we're, we make up the majority of the labor force. Uh, maybe why not? I shouldn't say majority. I'll back up off that. But about 50 percent of the workforce, um, we spend about an average of 30 years in the workforce, yet we still earn 25 percent less than men. Um, and many women are the primary breadwinners in the house. Maybe they're single parent um, in single parent homes. Um, yet they they have less money saved and they feel less confident confident about their personal finances than men. So give us some um, reasons why you think that that's so. In earlier discussion, we were talking about um, talking about this a little bit, mm-hmm. and I mentioned emotional attachments. Mm-hmm. So much of what yeah. we do financially is based on our emotions. Yeah. Now, I haven't done a whole lot of research digging into, you know, why women feel this way and why men feel this way. But I am a woman. Mm-hmm. And I know I was brought up with traditional values mm-hmm. where I watch my mother ask my father, do we do this? Do we? everything was deferred to him? And not to say that in marriage you don't do that. But I watched her be somewhat subservient. Mm-hmm. I ended up doing that. And I don't mind sharing. I did that in my first marriage. And um, something else that was brought up throughout research is that 50% of marriages end um, in divorce due to financial reasons. Yeah. And that's what happened to me. Mm -hmm. It went a little bit further than that because there was actually some some, um, things that were done that led to mistrust. For example, my 401k, I got an email one morning that my funds had been depleted from my 401k. Wow. So, um, and this is, then these were two individuals. This was a married couple where both individuals were very astute Mm -hmm. when it came to financial, um, financial matters. Mm -hmm. However, I deferred to him. Mm -hmm. Sometimes as women, we have a tendency because we be it spiritual reasons or whatever, Mm -hmm. we feel like we need to defer to the head. Mm -hmm. Um, And that can lead to issues where we don't, we're unaware of what's going on. Mm -hmm. We feel like that's something that the man should do. But I serve as a testimony or a testament that even in marriage, you need to know what's going on. Right. There needs to be transparency. You need to understand what's going on when those tax forms are being uh, compiled. Do more than just sign off on it. You need to go through and you need to have an understanding. And that's where financial literacy comes into play. Mm -hmm. At some point, I'm hoping down the road when I finish 
few things that <laughs> I can perhaps set up a, a foundation for women who've gone through divorce and they're trying to reestablish themselves. Right. I watched my own mother years later realize I need a credit card in my own name. Right. I need to figure out how to do this. There's also something called um, the theory of financial socialization. Children watch what we do very early on. Wow. Yes, I like Sometimes this. they think that little card that we pull out, that's a debit card to us and we may know what to do, but they don't know that. They think it's a magic card. Right. right. So we have to make sure that we're talking and we're explaining these things to them. And we have to, as women, not be afraid. Yeah, I've learned that um, four years ago, my dad passed away. And so my mom inherited everything. And so my dad had four rental properties and he had, I don't know, my dad had a lot of accounts. I mean, he had account, I think almost every bank. I was like, what, dad, why do you have this? Anyway, so it was completely overwhelming for my mom um, after his death to just to wading through his life insurance policies was just overwhelming. And then when we got his, his bank statements and he was a member of Teamsters and there was, there was all sorts of stuff that come along with that. And, um, and then the, the, the whole idea of being, um, the owner of a rental property, what does that mean? Mm -hmm. So it was completely overwhelming for my mother. And it still is four years later to her to a certain extent um, because it is something that she didn't worry about. She, mm -hmm. When you say defer to your, your mom or defer to your dad, my, my mom did the same thing mm -hmm. in the sense she just wanted to know we had money. Mm -hmm. you know, she, I don't think she really wanted to know the particulars. And she was safe in knowing that we were good, mm -hmm. you know. So I think that there are many women that probably have that same story. But then in, in my mom's case, death happened. In some other cases, divorce mm -hmm. happens or whatever the situation may be where you are now, you're it. You're the person. It all falls on you. And so being financially stable, be, understanding the terms, being able to speak on your money situation is all the more important, especially as the woman um, in these situations. And and actually one of the stats that we have here says 50% of marriages end in divorce and three or four married women are widowed by mm. the age of 75. After which studies show that a woman's quality of life drops considerably, so much so that the majority of women over 65 in this country cannot even afford their basic needs. And the only way I think that we can com combat this is through education. Mm -hmm. So our, our women, women need to be financially um, literate. They need to know, they need to know the terms. They need to learn how to speak the language. They need to understand what all of, all of that stuff. And it's a lot of stuff mm -hmm. um, really, really, really means it's, it's vitally important. And and I and I know for our audience, you're probably wondering, okay, why are we talking about this? This show is usually about STEM, um, but this I feel is a relevant issue, relevant topic under STEM because number one, um, as Ms. Pollard uh, talked about, 
She um, she is in a field that's dominated by men. It's it deals with math, um, but it deals with math sort of on the economic side um, and the finance and banking side. But there's still not a lot of women going into these careers. And again, you know, it goes back to these topics that we've talked about over and over again on the show, where is if we want more women to be economists and go into banking and finance and be accountants and and things like that, then we really need them to um, have mentors. We need we need other women to be willing to step up to the plate and be willing to mentor women, other women, um, young girls who want to enter into the career, um, because, of course, um, we need to see others doing this job. Mm -hmm. You know, that you understand that you can teach me the lingo, mm -hmm. um, that I can sit down with you, tell you my story. You can empathize and relate and still give me the steps I need to be able to move myself forward. I think that that's very important. Um, it's particularly uh, in this particular issue because this has to do with more than just your career. This has to do with your, your life, mm -hmm. your whole life. And that's very, very important, vitally important. So um, women have traditionally lagged men in terms of financial literacy and, and investing. Um, and so we need to know how to make good financial decisions. Mm -hmm. And I know, you know, so we, we talk about it, but I, I, I want you to give us some particulars on, way, on, on what that means um, in terms of how, how does a woman go about um, being financially literate and, and and what does a good investment look like and what what may be some first steps and we're going to talk about some things some more things in detail um, I can tell you that um, one of my first steps um, when I got married and I've been married for a while but I, I remember telling my husband that money was money was the thing we couldn't fight about because mm -hmm. money was the thing my parents fought about a lot. Yeah. I, I remember my mom actually leaving, and she's probably going to kill me when she hears this story. <laughs> but she actually left. Like, she packed mm -hmm. us up and left. Mm -hmm. and, and it was all over some money issue with my dad. I can't remember the particulars. All I know is she came in the room, said, pack, your, pack, pack a suitcase, we leave. And we actually left. Mm -hmm. And... Um, but she, but we came back, I guess, because we were crying so much in the car. Like, what do you mean? What do you, where are we going? Mm. And so, but we came, we came back and I remember just having them having the longest conversation. I think it's the longest conversation they ever had about money. Um, and from that moment on, it was a different ball game in the house uh, for us. But what you said a little earlier about um, that theory about us watching for me, it was such a scary moment mm -hmm. and it surrounded money that, you know, I told my husband, I was like, we can't fight about money. That That's, mm -hmm. you know, that's not going to be our thing. I don't know what else may be our thing, but that can't be it. Mm -hmm. I, I refuse for that to be it. And I can tell you that it's not the easiest of conversations to have because we have him and I have such a different mindset when it comes to money. Um, and it's not. Like, I mean, I'm the spender. I, 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 I take on my role. I'm the spender. He's the saver. Um, but I don't spend friv frivolously. I, he is much more frugal mm -hmm. 
and very conservative. And um, so we kind of butt heads in that way. Um, but we are very, we've made a conscious effort to be very vocal about what we do with our money, where it goes, what it looks like on paper. Um, we know exactly how much we bring in, how much is going out, where it's going. We have discussions. And again, some, sometimes they're, it ain't nice, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. we, but we do it. It's truth. Mm -hmm. This is true. It, we, you got to have it. But we, we've made an effort um, over the past, literally, I think more so of an effort in the past maybe seven or eight years to really be um, conscious and mm -hmm. financially literate on what we're doing and where we're going. Um, so, but that's the way we do it in the Anderson house. Um, I don't know what other people are doing, but then that's why we have an expert here to tell us some things and some good first steps, um, that we can use moving it forward. Well, I'm a big fan of Susie Orman, mm -hmm. huge fan. And she has this saying, stand in your truth. Mm. My truth is not going to be the same as you and your husband. Right. It's not going to be the same as someone else's. So you have to stand in your truth. You have to be somewhat naked and unashamed. Mm -hmm. You need to sit down and look at where you are. Calculate your wealth. Ooh, that's hard for some people. Though. It can be, but it that's the first step. Mm -hmm. I love what you said about acknowledging what you have. And maybe sometimes it's not what you want to see, mm -hmm. but you have to stand in that truth. That's the only way you can move on. You're not going to move on being in a fantasy world, right? You're going to continue to be in the same situation. And I believe it was Einstein that said that you continue to do the same thing over and over, expecting a different result. Yeah. That's insanity. Yeah. So you have to stand in that truth. Mm. And in order to do that, you need to calculate your wealth. And how do you do that? Most people are like, well, calculate my wealth. I'm not wealthy. Well, here's how I define wealth. If you were to take everything that you own mm -hmm. and sell it and uh. then pay off everything that you owe, that dollar amount that you have left, that is also known as your net worth, but that's also your wealth. Now, if it's one cent, then you are one cent wealthy. <laughs> True. Okay. Um, and you continue to build on that. But you have to look at that first. You have to see where you are. You need to look at what you're doing on a yearly and monthly basis. Are you having deficits? Does it come at a certain time? You need to look at those things. And then based on that, you have to make your adjustments. And this is what I tell individuals. Mm -hmm. There is no magic formula to it. You're going to either have to increase your income or decrease your spending. It's one of the two. Yeah, it's one of the two. There's no other magic to it. Um, if you're playing the lottery or whatever, I OK, that's <laughs> that's 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 fine. You mean no one, I can't get my scratch off ticket? I'm not saying you can't do that, but that's that's if that's what you want to do. However, I want you to look at it realistically based on your circumstance. What where am I? So mm -hmm. you have to look at that first and then you have to make your adjustments. As you make those adjustments, the next thing you need to do is establish an emergency fund. Wow, that's so good you say that. <laughs> I just I just read a stat <laughs> that said that only 43% of women have an emergency mm. fund compared to 63% of men. Mm -hmm. So what is an emergency fund? You're going to hear different numbers tossed around for this. Okay. Okay. But I believe you just have to make a start. Mm -hmm. Okay. So an emergency fund, what you 
what you'd love to do is build a 12 month reserve. And that means 12 months of living expenses. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people hear that and that's, they, it, it turns them off. Yeah. That's like, that's a lot. So I'm like, start with three months okay. or even start with a month. And once you have that month saved up, then you save for that next month. Because once you start doing it, it's, it's actually becomes fun. Mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you something that I did. And it was right after I got divorced and I started rebuilding myself because that's what I had to do. Mm-hmm. I was walking around. I was in Perimeter Mall. I was walking around the different stores and I came across Michael Kors and I used to love Michael Kors. But I knew that I had been saving and I had gotten to a certain level and I was good. And I walked around that store knowing I could buy what I wanted, but I didn't. Mm-hmm. There was some empowerment about that. I'm saying no. And it felt good right. because I knew my money was going to my emergency fund. I knew I was rebuilding me. And there's so much excitement and so much empowerment. I love that. I do. In that. I know I can do it, but I won't. I'll tell you another thing. I was out with friends and it was somebody's birthday and everybody was buying rounds of really fun drinks. Mm-hmm. And um, they got to me and they were like, you're going to buy a round? No, I'm going to get the birthday girl, just hers. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not, I can't afford to do that. And everybody else was looking like, well, I really couldn't either. I didn't know you could do that. (laughs) Yes. We can start a trend. (laughs) Right. So um, knowing what your, your truth is, being committed to it, um, establishing an emergency fund, Start off with, if you have to say in your mind, okay, just one month, what are mm-hmm. my expenditures for one month? What do I spend on everything? If that's $2,000, $3,000, whatever that right. is, get that saved first. Create a plan where you can do it and you can do it realistically. So what does that look like? Because I, I hear that. And mm-hmm. I, uh, by the way, I totally agree. Um, the emergency fund um, is actually one of the first things we did when we we started down the path of being financially responsible and, and, and get, staying on top of it. Um, and, you know, it kind of feels you're right. It feels empowering mm-hmm. to be able to save money, to, to know that you have this pocket of money stashed away mm-hmm. that if an emergency does come up, um, you're not scrambling to, mm-hmm. to find money from someplace to get it done. Um, right now we have, my husband has a car that is, uh, he, it spends more time in the shop than I, you know, I'm like, look at a certain point, dude, mm-hmm. we need a new car, but at least we have money to fix it. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, if it's $200, if it's $800, we still have the, we have the money to fix it because we have an established emergency fund. Um, but for, Sally, who Mm -hmm. is just starting off and maybe she makes, you know, she doesn't make a lot of money. Maybe Mm -hmm. she's, um, you know, she's down in the 20s and the 30s and maybe the teens in terms of her yearly income. Mm -hmm. How do we tell her to start? Like, what does that look like on a weekly basis for her? Mm -hmm. If she's paid weekly, she really has to look at what her expenditures are, because a lot of times what you found out find out at every income bracket, Mm -hmm. there is something. Now, it may not be as much as somebody else. Mm -hmm. So it may take her two years to get to one month, but that's okay. She's trending toward that. And then some more conversations can be had about, is this where you want to stay? Right. And that brings into education, Georgia Mm -hmm. Piedmont Technical College Mm -hmm. and other uh, institutions, because is this where you want to stay? Are you good with this? 
Or is there something else that you'd like to do? Because as I said before, there are only one or two things you can do. You can either increase your income or decrease your expenditure. Mm-hmm. But starting that. Now, I had a young lady in class one time that said, Miss Pollard, I'm doing all of that. I am doing all that you say. And she began to cry in class. And I, it concerned me because I didn't want her to have her personal business out in class. Mm-hmm. But she said, um, I'm doing all this. And, and because she kept talking, I said, okay, let's, let's break it down. Let's break it down where there might be some wiggle room. And what we found out is that she had this vehicle that she was paying on. Mm. And um, she shouldn't. Boy, cars are... I'll tell anyone, cars are a bad investment. As soon as you drive it off the lot, you have your your investment has has dropped what? It's 20, something. 70%, mm-hmm. something. Something astronomical. So if you paid like $23,000 for a car, you're only going to get what? Maybe 6, 7,000 dollars exactly. from the car if it if you drove it off the lot and and got into a wreck. Exactly. And what happened with her? Her car note was actually more than her rent. Oh, my goodness. But she was like, I need a car to get around. And but you didn't need of, that car? You did need that car yeah. because of credit issues. She had gotten this higher rate mm. because it wasn't like it was this big, fabulous car. Right. Um, so we had to have some true discussion about what needed to happen with that because that was an expenditure that honestly needed to go away. Public transportation was going to be better for her. And that's just truth. Mm-hmm. If you're in the twenties and teens and you've got this high, um, automobile loan, there's some, there's some other things that you're going to have to consider. Yeah. So we had a true conversation about that. Education was important to her. She wanted to finish her degree so that she could do better. I said, well, the only way we're going to be able to do this is if you make some type of decision. I'm not telling you you have to do it, but I'm seeing truly think about it. You're waking up first thing in the morning with anxiety and angst based mm-hmm. on financial issues. Right. And that can lead to other things exactly. that, have, that have a financial piece to it. So yes. your health, being in the hospital, the emergency exactly. room, going to a clinic, all that has a money attachment to it. Exactly. Oh, wow. So I don't know how she ended up with that, but I do know that she felt better that she knew that there were some options. There are some other things that could be done. Mm -hmm. I've talked to students that told me about the cup of coffee they have to get every morning at Starbucks. (laughs) Really? (laughs) That $6 cup of coffee? Right. We can't save? (laughs) Let's talk about time value of money, which is one of my favorite concepts in finance. Right. Uh, We break down how with a certain interest rate given a certain amount of time, how much money you can grow. Compounding can be magical, but you got to start with having some money to save. Mm -hmm. So um, being realistic about where you are and looking at those loopholes, those gaps to see, well, if I just sacrifice a little here, perhaps I can grow. And when you start looking at things in terms of monetary measures, it starts making you look at other things a little bit differently. Mm -hmm. Like, well, do I continue, you know, maybe one day I do want to be able to afford a car payment that way or, you know, that amount or, you know, maybe I do want a home where I can have a mortgage of $900,000 a month or whatever. How do I get to that point? So Mm -hmm. looking at your finances can help you define where it is I really want to be. And that may include looking at educational choices or, what am I doing at work that would allow me to get a promotion? Mm-hmm. You know, what, what other things can be done so I can, I can elevate myself? 
You know, and I'm always talking to individuals about, you know, defining your goal. Because really defining your goals will help you be committed wow. to your financial. Love, love, love goals. that. So, okay, so I'm, I've am i got my emergency fund, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm good to go there. Mm-hmm. What other things um, should I be doing as a woman? And now we're going to we're going to move into, you know, these our last little segment of the show, because we really want to give you some first, some good steps. Um, if you are a woman listening to the show, if you have a friend who you think uh, needs it, because we all, we all have a friend who we, we know we're like, mm, I think she needs a little bit of help, but she's not going to ask just, you know, slider this podcast and say, listen, listen to, you know, get to about eight, 19 minutes in and they they give you some good advice. Um, so the first thing is, is save for your emergency fund. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then depending upon where you are and your, you know, your debt, um, depends upon how, how long it's going to take you to get to your, your fully stashed emergency fund. And Ms. Pollard says you need to have at least 12 months of emergency fund, but you can start smaller. Maybe you, you can have a month. You can start off with a month worth of, uh, funds and then work your way up until you get to your, your 12-month uh, fully stashed fund. Um, and so some some other advice um, she's going to give us momentarily. But I want to talk about um, this notion that I think my mother, my mother ha- has had it. And there are a couple, a few other women that I know that um, really, really believe that as women, we need to have we need to have our own. Mm. And, and it's said that way, <laughs> said that way on more than one occasion. And and because I am an African-American woman, I can tell you that uh, my mother said it to me like, you never let a man know uh, how much money you really have. You got to have your own stash of money. Um, this is, you know, not just from my mother, but she was one of the ones. But I've heard it said other places by other women. Um, and granted, they're a little bit older um but they really firmly believe that this these are from the you know the women that would carry money in in you know in their in their bra um but they really believe that there 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 is that's their truth mm-hmm. um and i wonder how you feel about that wow and i love love that you brought that up that was a piece of advice honestly i never heard it prior to maybe 20 years ago while I was in banking and I was a premier banking. So I a premier banker at that time. Mm-hmm. So I worked with individuals who had net worth of um, minimum, a minimum of 2 million. Mm-hmm. So I'm working with this client and she, um, and I had become friends and she, and I find out because her husband had done extremely well in real estate. So I was, I'm thinking in my head that he's the one that has everything. And then as I'm looking at her accounts, I'm noticing there's some separate things and I'm like, wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. You're, you're okay. And, um, she tells me, oh, and my husband doesn't know about this and a word of advice to you mm-hmm. always have something separate. And then she just told me that. Right. And I'm gonna be honest. When I heard it, I was like, oh, how dare she tell me that? <laughs> this was my thought process. Right. I said, if you can share your bed, you can share your bank account. Mm-hmm. That was my thought process. And then, of course, I told you earlier, 
what I went through. And I now know that was one of the best pieces of um, advice that I did not take. Mm. I am remarried in a very loving, very open, transparent relationship uh, marriage where, you know, we are completely open about everything. However, my husband realizes that that was um, that was something that was very hurtful to me. And because of that, we have his, hers and ours. Mm -hmm. I have my account. He has his account and we have our account. Simple things like if I want to buy him a birthday gift, I should be able to buy that without him having to see that. It's 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 some simple things like that. Yeah. But I think that we should, as women, have some independence where I am looking at my own account, engaging and determining what works for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that that is a critical piece of advice. And I know that there are others that feel differently. But from personal experience, I have found that that is something that not only makes me feel just a little more secure, but it also makes me feel empowered. Like I, we're yeah. married, yeah. but we're still, we, we still have our own. Right. We're still two separate people. Yeah. We have exactly the same setup, <laughs> exactly the same setup. And it works. Yeah. It really, it, well, I'll just say it works for, for us. Mm-hmm. And it works for um, us. I don't know how much money he has in his individual account. He doesn't know how much money I have in my individual account. And that is perfectly mm-hmm. okay. Mm-hmm. I did tell him the other day that, you know, I really do need to know how to how to get, how to have access right. to his account just in case something happens to him. Um, but otherwise, I, I I don't, I don't, I don't care about that. This is, I want to know, I know how much money I, I have and, and, and we have, mm-hmm. and I'm good with that knowledge. And that, that really does. And it is empowering. It is. It and, really is. And something else I want to add to that. Um, and that while I love the, his, her and ours, it's important to be able to discuss money prior to getting into a marriage. Mm-hmm. Yes. Have that conversation. I don't know. You know, I've joked with different in different workshops that maybe you have a date night where you play Monopoly and things just kind of come up where you talk about how you handle money. Mm-hmm. You need to know if you're marrying a spendthrift mm-hmm. or a frugal McDougal. Mm-hmm. You need to know that. And then when you get married, there are other things that you're going to have to look at. Estate planning, financial literacy and financial um, matters cover so much right. your insurance needs. Yes. Um, but estate planning, a lot of times we don't think about that until sometimes it's much too late. Right. Until. And, you know, if you have children, that includes guardianship. There's so many things that have to be considered and sitting down and having that conversation too, uh, with, and preferably with a lawyer about um, estate planning is very important. One of the things you can also look at is if you have life insurance with your employer, sometimes they offer free um, estate planning because I know that's what happened with us because of our life insurance with our employer. Mm -hmm. There's free estate planning. So you want to have that in place as well. So, okay. So I'm, I'm a lady mm-hmm. um, and I have my emergency fund in place. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe I've done my estate planning. I have, you know, through my job or whatever else. Um, what if I want to, uh, I want to invest. That's mm-hmm. one thing. Mm-hmm. But what if I want to, um, I want to buy a house or if I want to invest, how, how do I find out how to do that mm-hmm. in a way that is safe? Mm-hmm. Um, cause I think that there's something, um, when you were talking a little earlier about the emotional attachment, 
um, some of us have to money. Well, Mm -hmm. I think all of us have an emotional attachment just a little bit, probably varying degrees Mm -hmm. Um, because money means so much to us and Mm -hmm. and it means different things to different people. But when we talk about investing, I can tell you that there's a little bit of fear attached to that for myself Mm -hmm. um, and and some other um, women friends that I know. So um, I want you to go into that a little bit later. But first, going back to, you know, I want to I want to buy a house. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What like what steps do I need? How how do I do that? The first thing you need to do is know what you can afford. And I sat with many of a client that what they wanted and what they could afford are two different things. Mm -hmm. So that's the first thing is you need to know what you can afford and look at all the associated costs that come with being a homeowner. It's not just a loan. I'm working right now with my financial mentee. And one of the things that we've gone over is, okay, now we've, we've looked at this could be your possible mortgage payment and what's comfortable there. But what about now you're going to have a lawn and if something breaks in your house, it's on you. You can't call someone else to look at that for you. So estimating those costs. Mm. If you are a first time home buyer, I strongly encourage you to participate in a first time home buyers program. That way you get step by step hand holding programs like NACA even assign you a real estate agent. So that's not something extra you have to do and worry about. Well, what about the reputation? Has somebody else used them? Working with a program like that where they're going to give you step-by-step assistance as well as um, discounted rates. But um, and also help you with if you're building a home, knowing what the steps are with that as far as inspections and all of those type of mm-hmm. things. Even if it's a, a house that's already been built, there are different things that you need to look for. Right. So if you're a first-time home buyer, I definitely recommend working with a first-time home buyer program. And I'm, I'm, I'm big on this too. Again, this is one of my opinions. You care more about something when you put something into it. Mm-hmm. So I'm a strong believer in being able to put down 10%, at least 10%. I really like 20% because when you do that, you get to um, take away one of the added costs of home uh, mortgage financing, private mortgage insurance, also known as PMI. That's an extra cost that you pay that doesn't benefit you. It's insurance for the bank. Right. In case you default. So Looking at that goes back to how much can I afford? That's mm-hmm. really going to affect that. If you want a $150,000 home and you have to put down 10 or 20%, that's going to affect you differently. Love, love, love that. So now what about investing? Two, two questions here. Um, one, do you find that women are a little more conservative mm-hmm. when, it term, when, we, when, it, when we talk about investing? Mm-hmm. Okay. That's what I thought. Mm-hmm. Um Do you think it comes from fear, though? It is fearful. When you put money into a pair of shoes, you know exactly what you're going to get. This is true. You try them on. You look at them. Ah, I know what I'm getting. Mm -hmm. And then outfit. Okay, it fits me perfectly. I can I can see exactly what I'm getting. Mm -hmm. It come. It's a little bit different when it's a fear of the unknown because investing is not guaranteed. And if anybody tells you that this investment is a sure thing and it's a guarantee, then you run very quickly (laughs) away from them because it's not. Investing is made to be a long-term, though, type of activity. Okay. Um, It's not something that should be handled by the ordinary um, individual speculatively. 
It's something that you know over time will grow. And there are going to be dips and there are going to be ups and downs. Um, when you're first starting out, is you after you've, you have that emergency fund set up and it's at, I'd say, you know, at least three to six. Mm-hmm. If you haven't gotten to the 12 yet and you're just anxious to start investing, mm-hmm. The first thing you need to know is this is money that may not that may go away. That's why it doesn't need to be your emergency fund. Mm-hmm. It needs to be after your emergency fund. And then you want to do some some research. Okay. You want to do research on your own first because this is something that you need to understand. You really have to understand what you're getting into. Um, financial investments have different terms. Right. And you need to understand those terms. Part of the reason of our um, that caused our financial collapse in 2007, latter 2007, had to do with so many people were ignorant. And then people hear that and they're like, oh, you're you're saying something ugly about me. Ignorant means you just didn't no. know. Right. You just didn't understand the terms. You have to understand the terms. So starting off slow, um, putting money after you've saved for that emergency fund, then building, possibly putting into a CD or a money market savings. Then as you continue to build, that's when you want to start looking at um, investment vehicles that have higher yields or higher rates of return, Mm -hmm. but also know that there's a possibility that you you will not get your money back. Um, Some great websites. My absolute favorite is Yahoo Finance. Awesome. Yahoo Finance. I love it. I use it with my students. I use it myself. Mm -hmm. To me, it breaks down all the different types of investment vehicles. Um, There's something else called Feed the Pig. When you're just getting started Mm -hmm. with, okay, I've set up my budget, I've got my savings plan in place, where do I go from there? You have Feed the Pig, and it's actually um, a website that was created by AICPA, which is the Associated Institute for Certified Public Accountants, Investopedia. Love that. All things investing. <laughs> All that. things investing. You can find great tips there. CNN money, um, Federal Reserve, of course, because part of, the, part of the Federal Reserve, which is our central bank, part of their purpose is to educate mm-hmm. on how to use credit vehicles. Okay. Um, they want to promote home ownership. So that's part of what the Federal Reserve does. Mm-hmm. Most people care about what the Federal Reserve is doing, thinking, oh, that doesn't have any impact on me. Oh, yes, it does, because they're <laughs> the ones that set the rates. Then, of course, the FDIC, because they are insuring our money at the bank, so they have a lot of great tips. And then also your bank's website. Um, I bank with a number of banks. I'm not going to plug any of them right now, but go to their websites. A lot of times they have a lot of good information. After you have researched, after you have looked, after you feel good about it, then I will talk to someone at your particular bank. Mm-hmm. Um, I would talk to friends who have financial planners. These are great individuals to have. Yes, they, there is a cost that comes along with that. It is. It's just um, that's one of the things that I've always been is very transparent. There is a cost that, that goes along with that. But there is nothing like getting that expertise. But there needs to be a level of trust there. So if you have banked with this bank for a long period of time, mm-hmm. then you should feel comfortable with the financial planners there. Or you can talk with friends who have um, worked with someone, and if they give you a good re- uh, reference or recommendation, then that's someone that you can use. I actually use um, one of my friends, one of my girlfriends from my, my chapter is an amazing financial planner. So mm-hmm. she's someone that I trust. So this is someone that is going to be impacting your life significantly. 
Right. But understand that there is um, pricing that goes along with it, and it could be a flat rate or it could be um, based upon what you decide to do, what type of activity that you're going to have. Right, like but, maybe once a month or something. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Okay. So in, so in the different type of vehicles that you can look at, one of the, I think one of the most um, conservative I would say vehicles to start off in, it's going to be a mutual fund as opposed to just straight out stocks because it's kind of hard to just pick and know, okay, this one's, you know, this, this one's going to do well. There's no guarantee anyway, but at least with a mutual fund, you have a pool of possible stocks or bonds or a combination of both. So your money is going into something. So it's, it's, it's diversified Mm -hmm. and typically they're set up where there are different strategies, but the overwhelming strategy is if, you know, one stock is going down, maybe the other one is going up. So they're offsetting one another. Mm -hmm. Again, I have to emphasize that there is no guarantee, but all, but this information can be found on the websites that I just gave you. And like I said, um, even before you go in to see someone, you should already, you should walk in with questions, right? You should walk in with questions. I tell my students, you never go to the bank to see how much you're, you're going to get approved for. No, you should know that already. Right. You should walk. You already know what your credit is. You already know what you can afford. Mm-hmm. You walk in and tell them, now this is what I have. Now, what can we do? Can we can we work with this? Mm-hmm. You know, can we get this right? You know, I know what my credit is. I know what I can afford. So walking in, that gives you empowerment. So many people walk into the bank fearful. What are they going to tell me? You should already know. Right. It shouldn't be a surprise when you walk in there. And there are all kinds of tools online. You can Google um, time value of money um, calculator or mortgage calculator or Mm -hmm. automobile vehicle uh, loan calculator. And it can tell you what your payments are. So you don't have to walk in fearful or scared. This is not something that we need to be afraid of. You are absolutely right about this. Well, I feel like we should have a part two because there's so much more to talk about here that we haven't had the opportunity to get to. Um, So uh, Stimming and Stilettos audience, I guarantee you there'll be a part two. Um, But right now we need to say goodbye to Miss Ramona Pollard and thank her as our guest. So thank you so much for coming. You are a a fount of information about this topic. Um, Thank you again for coming on the show and um, you guys, I, I hope that you, you listen and pay attention and uh, be uh, on the lookout for part two. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for today's episode of Stimming and Stilettos. I sincerely hope that you learned something new from our guest today. Remember that you can listen to Stimming and Stilettos anywhere podcasts are found. You can follow us on Facebook at Stimming and Stilettos. You can find Dr. Tasha on Facebook and Twitter at Dr. Tasha 11, Instagram at Dr. Tasha. So until next time. Thank you for listening to this episode of Stimming and Stilettos. Please check out the show notes to get additional information about today's guest or today's topic. You can find the podcast on every major podcast platform. You can find additional information about Dr. Tasha at www.drtasha.com. Thanks again, and don't forget to tune in every Tuesday for the latest episode of Stimming in Stilettos.